Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the World Beyond the West podcast. Today we're investigating Turkey's landmark elections, which will see incumbent president Recep Tayyip Erdogan seek to extend his 20-year reign by beating Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, a long-suffering opponent who has rallied together six different parties to form an alliance hell-bent on bringing down Erdogan. Turks head to the polls on Sunday the 14th of May, with a second runoff planned for later in the month if neither candidate is able to win a majority. The results will have huge ramifications for Turkey's domestic and foreign policies, but in this episode we examine how the elections will impact Turkey's huge 3.7 million strong population of Syrians, most of whom are refugees taking shelter from civil war back home. This weekend is also a landmark moment for me, because World Beyond the West is now available on YouTube. Each podcast from now on will come complete with video for your viewing pleasure, and the podcast audio from every episode recorded up until now is also available on YouTube. The link to the channel can be found in today's episode notes, and if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do head on over to YouTube, like and subscribe to the channel, and share it with anyone you think may enjoy. Finally, as always, for written content and personal updates from me, you can subscribe to World Beyond the West's Substack page at wbtw.substack.com. Without any further ado, here is episode 8 of the World Beyond the West podcast on Turkey's elections. I hope you enjoy. The people of Turkey head to the polls this weekend to cast their votes in hotly anticipated presidential elections, with incumbent President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's 20-year grip on power looking shakier than ever. With the Turkish economy reeling from brutal inflation and millions of people having lost their livelihoods after this year's devastating earthquake, 69-year-old Erdogan faces a staunch challenge to get re-elected. But there is a considerable portion of Turkey's population wishing the elections would never come. Turkey has the greatest refugee population of any country in the world, at more than 4 million. But somewhere between 3.5 and 3.7 million of those are Syrians, who were forced to flee north amid their native land's devastating civil war, which still rages to this day. For years, Turkey welcomed war-stricken Syrians with open arms. Borders remained open for years, and any Syrian fleeing the conflict was granted temporary protection status, even those without documentation. But the pending elections likely spell yet more misery for Syrian asylum seekers who are forced to abandon their home soil because every opposition candidate in the presidential race is determined to expel them back across the border. Even Erdogan, who personally oversaw the introduction of Turkey's refugee positive policies of the last decade, has since 2022 hardened his stance on Syrian asylum seekers amid rising public discontent. Turkey is no longer the welcoming place it once was. Syria's fleeing citizens are increasingly being shown the cold shoulder. In recent years, Turks have faced soaring costs amid skyrocketing inflation, which greatly diminished their purchasing power and quality of life after a period of untenable economic growth. This was in no small part fueled by the Turkish Central Bank's refusal to raise interest rates as part of Erdogan's widely criticised monetary policy. Then, in February this year, much of Turkey's poorer southern regions were demolished by a pair of huge earthquakes which killed more than 50,000 people and displaced untold numbers of people. The quakes brought just as much misery and devastation to Syrians. Most of the refugees in Turkey populate the badly hit southeastern regions, while Syrians living in the north of their country were battered by the earthquake in equal measure. 
but the fallout has meant the Turks facing a difficult path and are far less willing to share their resources with those considered outsiders. Kemal Kilicdaroglu, the leader of the Republican People's Party, or CHP, is a long-suffering opponent of Erdogan. The 74-year-old has led his party since 2010 and has lost out to Erdogan in every election he's competed in thus far, but now he commands an alliance of six parties intent on ending the president's reign and is his only real threat. Kilic Daroglu has built his election campaign around the offer of an alternative to Erdogan who many Turks feel has simply been in power too long. He's promised to curb soaring inflation and place a greater respect on the rule of law. But Kilic Daroglu's vision of a more prosperous, democratic and just Turkey has no room for Syrian refugees. Under his rule, Ankara would seek to repatriate Syrians within two years by building a network of homes, schools and other amenities in the north of the country close to the Turkish border. This would partly be funded by the EU under Kilic Daroglu's plans. But Syria is still locked in the throes of civil war and much of the north's infrastructure that wasn't already battered by bombing and fighting has since suffered considerable damage in the quakes. Two other opposition candidates include Muharrem Inche, leader of the Homeland Party and former CHP deputy leader, and Sinan Uwan, the right-wing nationalist leader of a three-party conglomerate known as the Ancestral Alliance. Inche wants to see the return of secularism in Turkey and has pledged to expel Syrian migrants from the country. But on Thursday, he dropped out of the presidential race. Orhan, meanwhile, has taken an even harder stance on refugees of all backgrounds, threatening to deport them by force if necessary. But he is unlikely to receive a big share of the vote, meaning that Erdogan and Kilic Daroglu are the only two real contenders. Given the manifestos set forth by the alternatives, most Syrians are likely keeping their fingers crossed that the historically welcoming Erdogan retains his grip on power. But even then, their prospects look bleak. Erdogan has made somewhat of an about-turn in his attitudes to the nation's vast refugee population since 2022, when he declared intentions to eventually send up to 1 million Syrians back across the border. Roughly 50,000 refugees have since been deported, far less than Erdogan's initial targets, but Ankara is only going to increase expulsion operations, irrespective of who ends up in power. And Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's efforts to normalise relations with his neighbours means cross-border policies to repatriate Syrians are more likely than ever before to form. First, Syria was accepted back into the Arab League early this month, after a 12-year hiatus. A significant step forward for Damascus, given that the civil war is far from over. Then, both Ankara and Damascus agreed this past week to create a roadmap to improve their strained ties despite Turkey's enduring support for Syrian rebels in the north. Any attempts by a Turkish government to repatriate Syrian refugees, whether it be by stick or carrot, will almost certainly not proceed smoothly. Last summer, a UNHCR poll of around 2,800 Syrian immigrants living in other countries found that less than 8% intended to return to their homeland within 12 months, and less than 30% expected to do so in the next five years, citing security concerns. Forcing the refugees back across the border from Turkey in a mass deportation would not only go against international law, but would anger the UN and the EU, whose member states are generally reluctant to deal with a greater influx of immigrants. Meanwhile, any proposed incentivization, such as the promise of education, new homes or healthcare, is practically impossible to guarantee, due to Syria's ongoing domestic volatility. Besides, Syria's readmission to the Arab League, while undoubtedly a positive step for Damascus, does not mean Assad can expect to escape the crush of Western sanctions anytime soon, and Arab countries are therefore highly unlikely to make any real investment in Syria.
Syrian opposition groups may also be emboldened to launch fresh attacks as a statement of defiance in light of Assad's re-acceptance in the eyes of the Arab world. All of this means that, sadly, whatever happens in Turkey's elections this month, there is little hope that the fate of the 3.7 million Syrians living there will improve any time soon. That's all for today, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. Just before I go, I want to tell each and every one of you how grateful I am for your support and interest in World Beyond the West. This little project of mine has now been going for more than six months, and I've loved putting together every single newsletter, podcast, and now video for you to enjoy. I've already learned so much, and I'm really excited to see where we'll be in another six months' time. So, for all of you who have read, listened, and followed World Beyond the West so far, thank you. I am so glad to have you along for the ride. And finally, if you have any feedback for the channel, questions or maybe ideas for stories you think I should cover, don't hesitate to get in touch by sending an email to worldbeyondthewest at outlook.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Bye.